This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest exclusive Blood Red Club podcast. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for taking the time to join us. 20 years on from Liverpool's historic treble winning season under Gerard Houllier, in which the Reds won the Worthington Cup, FA Cup and UEFA Cup, we take a look back on the campaign. In conversation with the Echo's Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, Houllier's assistant manager, Phil Thompson, shares his memories of the season as the Reds ended a six-year domestic trophy drought and won a first European trophy since 1984 in Dortmund with a few tales to share along the way. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Thanks a lot for your time this, this afternoon. I just, just want to start with, with the, the League Cup and then the FA Cup, the European and then a little bit of, of Gerard towards the end. So um, the, the League Cup, it was, I was just looking at the, the results a couple of hours ago. It was a, it was a bit of a roller coaster, wasn't it, with the the real battle against Chelsea going to extra time and then Hammer and Stoke 8-0 and then getting beat at Palace and then the cop reminding Clinton Morrison the score. I mean, what what were your memories of, of that first run to, to Cardiff? Well, the run was, obviously, when it starts off, it's sort of low-key. You make changes. Not as many as seems to happen now, but I do remember that Stoke game, um, more importantly, and I think it was just a little bit of a rocky time that we had things going our way. And I think we had Peggy Arfex said in goal. And I can remember at nil-nil, they actually went through one-on-one. He slotted it past Peggy. The ball hit the post. And as Peggy turned round, the ball came into his arms. And I turned to Gerard, nothing like that. And I said, that's the change of our look. Yeah, and lo and behold, the game. I think did Robbie get three or four? Yeah, he got a hat trick. Yeah, Robbie got a hat trick, and it was just, it was just like a uh, procession. We just played some really good stuff because Stoke were always up, and it was they wanted blood on the day, and <laughs> every time we played them, and so it was always a a hard place to go, as anybody will tell you. But we played fantastic, and eight nil. And people would go, oh, they must have had a lot of changes. They probably did, but um, it was still a great scoreline. Yeah, and then uh, obviously they had going through to the final against uh, Birmingham. So you, you were the heavy favourites of that. The first cup final for was it five years? The ninety six FA Cup final. I mean, how did, how did you and Gerard approach that, knowing that you were the, you were the overwhelming favourites to the neutrals? Well, it was, wasn't it? Because Birmingham were a, a, a sort of championship team. So we would, and it was Trevor Francis, an old mate of mine from England days. Um, but as you said before, before flipping to that, it was it was a great semi-final um, yeah. that, that we had, which is quite unique in that we've gone down there and we had such, we played so well. And again, a little bit of a bear pit of a place and we'd come through it really well to get beat 2-1 we missed so many chances as did Michael and the famous Clinton Morrison uh, statements in the pa- paper the next day if if I'd have had those chances that Michael Owen had got I would have scored a hat-trick oh my goodness it was like red rag to a bull my, Michael was a real favourite of all ours and you didn't need any motivation for the return leg. The boys were baying for blood. 
and it was just honestly if it had been a better man for that game you'd have just had, had everything on it not that gamble responsibly um but it was it was astonishing and when he had that air kick in front of the cop oh it, this stick was <laughs> merciless it was and of course working with him many years later on uh soccer saturday i did remind him every now and again if something ever came up i was never sure to sort of wind him up and it's become a big thing in his life has it that yeah? miss oh absolutely massive wherever he goes it's not about what he i know he didn't do a great deal um but it was one of the big things that people remind not just liverpool fans no. but anyway um on to the final we went and one of the big things about gerard it was win the first trophy win the yeah. first trophy it is important he made a massive statement with that is that you know this could sort of push us on and we didn't know what was going to happen what was coming because you know this happened the end of february beginning of march i think yeah i can't remember the exact date but that's where it always falls um and the games we were back in europe at the time um the fa cup games had started so came very intense but he said this is massive and one of the great things that he did as i said with the changes that we'd done early in the competition everybody got got taken to cardiff everyone and it was i'm not leaving anybody out i, I believe and trust in everybody we all played a part we had a massive squad we went down there about 27 28 people were all there everybody that could go went and so it was important so he made a he made a really big thing of this this game and it was our first appearance wasn't it at anfield south and yeah. it, it became that way listen we were overwhelming favorites and we played like that in the i think we played a diamond shape with vladimir smicer at the point you know, like a number 10 role and in fairness for 90 minutes paul we we absolutely battered them and we did we absolutely battered them for 89 minutes it it should have been three or four and lo and behold they got that penalty right now yeah. 90th minute of course that gives them the lift gives them the you know going into that going into extra time was a massive lift for them <clears throat> why i'm saying this is my good friend trevor francis for years afterwards said we should have beaten liverpool on the day we were the better team you know it went to penalties and we were fantastic and you know liverpool never and i was like that thing i'm sorry no it wasn't <laughs> and he made a big play on it and because if you watch the game back it is so one-sided and it's getting that second goal that we needed so it went to uh the penalty kicks they were the better team extra time because they had that lift yeah um but then it went to the, the lottery of the the penalty kicks mm. and uh i think andy johnson i yeah. think it was who took theirs and missed and did was that the final one or was caras won the final one? Oh, it's a good question i remember carragher stuck it in the top corner didn't he? it was a great penalty but oh, 
Karate. I can remember him absolutely. He was like that, rattling up to it. And he's, he must have made his mind up where he was going to put it. And he just put his foot through the ball, side foot, and it rattled in. I, I, it was either that one. Mind you, we, we'd never heard the last of it if it was the winner, like Alec Kennedy's in, um, <laughs> in Rome. So I would imagine it was Sanders' save yeah. against Andy Johnson. That clinched it. Um, I think that's the way it went. And yeah. it was it was, it was was just one of the moments that was wonderful. And for us all to take it, and the celebrations in the dressing room, Gerard always wanted everybody in there. The photos down there at Cardiff was just wonderful for the players. Yeah, and you hear a lot about when teams win the League Cup, it kind of gives them the the impetus to, to finish the season strongly. Yeah. I mean, with, with that being... Mourinho the, the did it with Chelsea, didn't he? He yeah. made a big play of it being there yeah, first one. Good, yeah. I mean, did, 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 that, did that happen with you? Oh, yeah, it was massive, Gerard. As I said to you before, he was he was massive on it. It was let's win this. This the first one will be the catalyst that'll push us on and it'll give us that belief what we can do. Winning a cup will push us on to better things. And lo and behold, the season transpired to be just a roller coaster of emotion, planning, sort of sort of preparing playing and then recovering playing again ah oh, it was just and it, it was it was a wonderful and it's great to hear the lads sort of 20 years on your characters and your Stephen Gerrard's talking so highly of it um, because people go oh it was you know yeah it must have been good it wasn't sort of we didn't have the league championship in there but to win those cups was just yeah it was amazing that that the pressure, because a lot of those were young lads, and that's where uh, Gary Mack came into it. He was he was a great help to them yeah. to sort yeah. of to guide them along. Yeah, and I, I know he kind of had a massive influence on on Stephen's development in the early on. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Moving on to the FA Cup, uh, a Merseyside derby with a difference playing against Tranmere Rovers, which uh, I think might actually be the last time that the two sides met in a competitive game. Um, remember that being a surprisingly feisty one? Um, what, what are your memories of that one? Surprisingly feisty? Well, I mean, they never... They, I, not, I, I, we I, had I not expected anything else. We weren't. It was one of those preparations which we knew the pitch the way it was, yeah. um, was going to be difficult. The long throws, that, was it Chaloner? Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it Chaloner? Dave Chaloner, that, yeah. That they were taking the towels all around sides of the ground in the attacking third for these throws. We picked the team and we chatted about it. Obviously, Sammy and myself um, were pushing upon Gerard. We need to go English. This is a proper English cup tie. And they will be absent on a pitch like this. We have to be ready for it, mentally prepared. And I think if you go through our team, I think there's a minimum of eight, possibly nine British players playing in this game. And I think it helped us go, get through it because you can imagine tight, topping the ground that Pretton Park is, yeah, we were ready. We were ready for it. Was and, it but it's still, 
Sorry? Ronaldo's team. Ronaldo's team. Yeah, yeah. Aldo was manager, yeah. wasn't he? I'm sure. Yeah, it does, does ring a bell, yeah. All, um, Aldo was... I'm sure Aldo was the manager. But it was absolutely... You say feisty, it was... Oh, they were... They were out for blood. Another game that we we we, we you had to had to meet it face on, and that's why yeah. we went with mainly a British um, side against them. Uh, and it and it came out. And it was it was a real battle, and the lads you could see in them really enjoyed it coming off at the end. And as we were, funny thing about that game, as we were coming off, and we were going down a tunnel celebrating. People were going, we got Wickham, we got Wickham in the semi-final, and you were going, what? They don't do the draw until later on. It doesn't get. It was one of those. You, we didn't know when the draw was. The draw was made. I think mm. it was about fifteen minutes before the end of our match. Right. And we we found out then once we got in the dressing room that yes, it had already been drawn, and we got Wickham. Yes, Wickham had gone and beat Leicester. In the other game, and uh, we we'd been drawn against them, so that was a bit of an uplift as well. Yeah, Larry Sanchez, wasn't it? Um, I mean, did the fact that you you just played Tranmere in the and you had Birmingham in the League Cup final did that prepare you for another big match? You know, in the semi-finals against the team who you were expected to beat. Yeah, and and it did because we were we were an improving side. We weren't sort of. We, we were well organised. We we were there. We were we were progressing as a team. We were still sort of searching for an identity. I know yeah. people said we were a counter-attacking team, um, but it, that was evolving with this side. We could go with Stefan and Sammy. We could go and defend quite deep which used to frustrate me at, at times because I'd like them to push up. But Sammy and Stefan were very happy defending around their own box because they didn't have great pace. Um, but it was it was sort of special and you went, you know, you're going in the semi-final. And it was it was, it was was a massive... Do you know what? I, I watched it, was it yesterday or the day before? Essendon against yeah. um, Leicester. So, of course, we played them and you look at the scenes on, on the day and the Wickham fans, it was just massive for them. So it was a big game. And once again, we showed great composure. Strange things about that, Paul, was I remember we you do your set pieces the day before or on the Thursday before the game. And I can remember our second goal. It was a free kick outside the box. And Robbie is moving everybody away, taking it. And I'm there, typical me. I'm going, what's Robbie doing? Robbie's not <laughs> the one who takes the, takes the free kicks. He's never... Robbie's not supposed to be taking... Oh, my goodness. This, what's he... Oh, great goal, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. put, it, yeah. put it in the top goalkeeper's left-hand corner. And it was a fantastic free kick. And I went like that, sat back, and everybody was laughing in the dugout. And I went, well, that's... Egg on my face. So yeah. The first thing, first thing I did when we got back in, because they scored with three minutes to go, which made it a little bit tense. Um, first thing I did was apologise to Robbie. Believe <laughs> uh, you went back on Robbie Fowler. Oh no, it was. But do you know when you, you've done set plays and all that, and you sort yeah. of this is what's done. 
that's the good thing about the lads. That was the good thing about Robbie is you feel it. Yeah. Why not take it? And and it was it was it was Robbie taking it and rightly so, and he put it right in the top corner. Yeah, I suppose one of one of the features of the squad was the fact that I look across it and it's it's big characters and, and personalities and and players who were, who were willing to you know stand up and take take on the fight as well as being able to 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 play fantastic football when it needed to be. You seem to have a almost a perfect blend in the squad at the time. Well, it was because. As I said before, because we were young and we were evolving and we were trying to gain an identity, um, this was like we came together, Gerard and me, November 98. So it was like we were still only really two years into trying to build, trying mm. to make something um, to get back up there. So for this to go on this run was exceptional. So the planning behind it and sort of every couple of days looking at videos and I, I can remember we treated the Wickham game with sort of real sort of um, focus and I can remember going down to watch them at Adams Park Patrice Bergs and myself we flew down to Heathrow car picked us up taking us to the game at Adams Park and to see how they play, to do a report on them. Do you know what? They were so grateful to us for going down there to take the time to go and have a look and see. Really? He said, because nobody else has done that. He said, so you're showing us the respect that yeah. we think we should have. Um, and you've come down to have a look at us. So they were absolutely rolled out the red carpet for Patrice and myself for just uh, taking our time to go and study them, which... So we should. So we, yeah, you know, we, we're getting it. It was a semi-final of the FA Cup, for goodness sake. Yeah, well, that might have been where the other teams come unstuck. Just thought they'd, they'd roll them over. Absolutely. Maybe Leicester did. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the final itself then, I mean, it's the Michael Owen final, isn't it? I mean, roasting off day in the gold kit. What, what, what are your memories of that day? Um, <laughs> it's often remembered as, as Arsenal were, were the better team, but... I've seen it quite recently, and you had a fair few chances yourselves that day. We did, but listen, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and and say that we deserve to win. Um, and they were the better team, you know. We had two goalkeepers that day, um, Sander um, Sander Vesterveld and Stefan Hancho. Really, <laughs> he, he, I think he made two saves with his hands that day, and not nothing was given so, so much for VAR. Yeah, but they they did they absolutely sort of battered us. They had some great. This was a cool, good Arsenal team, don't forget. Mm -hmm. And um, but and people complained as though it was well, that wasn't how it should be. You know, it was literally as though we should give them the cup. I've played. I'd played in games, many games where I'd absolutely battered football teams, and we lost one nil. That happens in football. So you don't you don't give it any sort of any grace to anybody and think, well, that is the nature of the game. And I can always remember saying to Gerard, as you said, Paul, it was so hot. My vivid memory was of Gary McAllister with an iced towel and he put it in the ice water and he had it over his head because his his bald head was just there. Yeah. to see to burning and he was sitting there if you have a look at it with this towel over his head 
he wasn't very happy about not playing, by the way. <laughs> but he did come on to make a big... Um, but it was one of those games which was... That last 15 minutes, it, we were desperate to get back into it. And we were pushing and pushing. I remember some of the lads trying to get into the shade in um, the Millennium Stadium. Just because it was like half of it in the shade. And I, I can remember saying to Gerard, we got back to 1-1. And I said, Gerard, we need to win this game. I said, because we're, we're out on our feet yeah. in this heat. I said, if we, because they passed us to death. And I said, if we don't win this game now, we'll get done in extra time. Because we have not got legs to go another yeah. 30 minutes. And I said, we need to win this in extra time. And lo and behold, the, the pass from... Um, from Patrick Berger remember somebody who was either in the commentary box or one of the pundits said he lumped it out of defence you have a look at Patrick Berger he uses that wonderful left foot yeah. and he like bends it round like that cutting out sort of two players and Michael's onto it and he gets it in there and if there, if there was there was that much the width of a ball to get it in that far post from Michael's inside left position, inside there, it was astonishing. And the left-footed, he drills it across. Mate. It was yeah. bedlam. Bedlam at that point. And uh, it, was, it was just one. I remember pictures from behind the goal. And there's an old fella, and he's got his hands on the set. I think he's got glasses on. And he's like that as though, what has just happened and it is, if you see the picture, it's just people went mental, absolute yeah. mental. It was, I think it was that elation from the sort of game that it had been. And it was to win it. And the celebrations on the pitch were just, were just wonderful. And we'd had it with the, um, the League Cup. But that's, you know, the League Cup. This was the FA Cup, which is, as, a, as a, an Englishman, this is massive. This was so special. And you could see Michael's name going up in lights. This would be his final. Yeah. Um, and it was. Gary came on with the first one and had a massive influence on it. So did Marcus Babel. And when if the ball was played him and challenging for the ball. And Mike, Michael's technique was fantastic to get us um, to get us back in the game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when, when you won that, you mentioned then about when, when you won the League Cup and Gerard made made sure that everyone was there to celebrate. But you've got another big final on the horizon. So what, what were the celebrations? Were there but, any? Aha! Uh -huh. Now, they, these were all different because uh, we didn't stay there. Or did we come straight back? Now, did we go back to... I can't remember whether we went back to the hotel, but we, we weren't allowed to celebrate because he says, we have got another game on Wednesday... Mm -hmm. In Dortmund, he says, and we have to be professional. So we'll have a glass of wine. I think we did. I think we went back to the hotel. We had a glass of wine with and a, a drink, but the lads weren't allowed to drink. Whether they they did sneak a couple, I'm not so sure. <laughs> but we didn't. Gerard made this big speech on the coach. And I can remember the lads coming to me and going, Phil, we've just won the FA Cup. Do us a favour. Ask the boss if we can have a bevy. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen that often. And I went to Gerard and I, I said to him, obviously being that buffer, if you want, mm. and I said, Gerard, 
the lads have asked me to ask, is there any chance of us um, I've been able to have a drink tonight to celebrate the fact of winning the FA Cup? And he went, Phil, you, we don't often have chances in life to go and win three trophies, he says. And I'm sorry, he says, but no, we can't. He didn't just leave it with me to portray it. He stood up and he made a big speech that this will be done. And when we win on Wednesday, when we win on Wednesday, we will um, not drink again. And after we win against um, and we get our third place for the Champions League, then we can celebrate. Yeah. And he said, you have to believe in me. We have to be right. Abstain from it. We will have a glass of champagne with, with our meal tonight. And we have to prepare. And that's that's what we did. Mm. Brilliant. Um, so it was hard. It was hard, but I suppose he was right about to his better experience. It was it reminded me a little bit, but on the flip side, when we got beat in nineteen seventy-seven by Manchester United and we were on the train coming home, we had the European Cup final in midweek, and we were like that, we were all drinking on the um, on the train. But it was a flip side to that, because I remember Ray Clement saying, right, that's over with on the train. He says, let's get pissed and let's focus on Wednesday and we win Wednesday. <laughs> There's two different ways of looking at it, yeah. two different eras. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's talk about it, about the European campaign. And I mean, for people people of my my generation, they'd only heard European stories from, from the Ralph fellas or, or the granddads or whatever. So to see Liverpool back amongst it was, you know, huge. And, and you could see, oh, this is what it's like. I mean, Porto and Barcelona are obviously the games that people remember. But um, the, the away game in, in Rome, did that kind of give give you all belief that, you know, you could go and win this one as well? Because that, that was a, a statement result, surely. Yeah, that was Batistuta, they they had Cafu, they were a proper team. They were they were a really good team. And when you think of some teams that I've seen now in the Europa League in the last sort of sixteen and you're going, Who? <laughs> then then in that as you say, Porto who were a massive side, Barcelona in the UEFA Cup semi final. I can remember the game in Rome. Because that's where it was one of the few times. Gerard always gave us the the, the great thing of, of asking our team. Normally we'd sit around our bunker and he'd say, right, what's your team for tomorrow? What's your team for tomorrow? To Sammy, to Joe, to Patrice. And we'd always give our team. He would have the final decision. And if we'd come up with something, he'd say, why? Um, but it was funny, when we went to Rome, Gerard went like that to me and he went, uh, he said, not just to me, he said to us, me and the staff, he said, I've got a plan how to beat Rome, Roma. And we all went, what? Yeah. So he never said anything, didn't ask us. So the day of the game, he's gotten like that. I've got my um, my team. So we had a, we had our own little team meeting prior to the, uh, the team talk in the night, the day of the game. So he says, told you, I've got a, a formation, how we're going to beat them. Bearing in mind, Roma play three, five, two. We were thinking, what's this going to be? So he's gone like that. He's gone, right, going to, he says, I'm going to play with, um, I think it was, was it Robbie 
and Michael semi playing. I, I think it was Robbie and Michael. But he went, I'm going to play Yari as well. And we went, we were sitting there in the room and we went, what? So we were going to play sort of two up front, Yari in behind, yeah. and then three midfield players. And straight away you went, Cafu and Candela up on both sides, who were the best um, wing-backs in Europe at the time. You went, wow, they're going to have the ball all day long if we'd not at least got four. So we, so when he went out the room, so pleased with himself, we <laughs> sat there and I went, oh my God, what, have we, what, what has he just done? What has he just said? Obviously, he was so confident. I thought, he's already told Yari he's playing. Mm. And we had a chat and we said, what do you think? I said, I can't believe. Patrice said, Phil, this is not right. This, this setup is not what it's done at home. I can understand, and that's exactly my thoughts. At home, you didn't mind going with it because you had the crowd, you had we would have yeah. opposition. And we all said, This is this is suicide. This is just oh my god, what, what are we gonna do here? So I said, Right, I'm gonna have to see him. So I went and I knocked on his door and I said, Gerard, I said, Can I have a word? And he said, Yeah, come on, Phil. I said, Gerard, I says, We're all very pleased that you give us our, our time and our team selections on the day. And I said, excuse me, I says, but so confused with this setup because of Cafu and Candela. I says, they're going to absolutely rip us apart. And I think on the left, I think we had Ziga, who's not the best defender on the left up against Cafu. And I went, this is, I said, this is just incredible. And he went, do you think? And I said, yeah, Gerard. He went, well, what does the other members of staff think? I said, Gerard, that's why I'm here. We all <laughs> think exactly the same. After you walked out, we all are, picked our chins up off the floor. And I said, this, I said, Gerard, I said, listen, I said, if you want to go ahead with it, go ahead with it. I said, but I'm giving you not just mine, but the, the staff's opinion. And he went, okay, leave it with me. So I thought, right. So then we had the team meeting and he picked his team. It was 4-4-2. And lo and behold, thank goodness, as you say, Michael scored two. And they, they were a good team. Yeah. And I thought I could have been sacked the next day if this had gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was Gerard who had, had obviously listened, which I think is important to a manager and his assistant to sort of have these conversations. It's yeah. not often they did it because I said, I said, Gerard, it, it's always on your head. Whatever it happens always comes down on you first. I said, so we appreciate you giving us the opportunity to speak and say our selection. I says, but, and it's down to you. I said, but this is one time. So that, that, that was massive. And I can remember going back to the hotel and the police, the outriders that we had, they were made up going through all the traffic out the way. They were all Lazio fans. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, like, they came in with, and they were saying, can we have shirts? And, and all the, oh, they were delighted that we'd. But when we, had the, when we had the return leg, oh my goodness, they were so good. Mm. They, were in, they were absolutely incredible. I, I suppose you mentioned there about Gerard with, with the the tactical notion and he, he gave us all a chance to, to hear your own views. I mean, that, that run to 
to Dortmund was built on, you know, just being so good at the back, wasn't it? You think of clean sheets in Rome and in Porto and in Barcelona. Really was just built on that on that solid defence and, and goalkeeper that he's had. That's what I'm saying. We've involved in that. I'm not going to say that we were a sort of the great sort of offensive outfit that people would love to see. We knew where we were, we had our way of playing and we were progressing. Well, for two years, we had the best defensive record in the Premier League. Mm. It was it was sort of that good. Stefan and, and um, Stefan and Sammy were were perfect. Cara was in there. You know, you knew you could rely upon him. Um, and it was it was just a fantastic sort of group of lads who could defend when it needed to yeah. uh, to be done. As I say, Barcelona one going over there. We ended up playing them a couple of times. Um, which was which was important, and that was, you know, it was sensational. Gary Mack with his his cool, calm head was was important at that time. And Gary had gone through a section at that particular time of scoring important goals. Yeah, um, and obviously none more so than in the derby game. Mm. Um, well, he's he's went to Dortmund and Liverpool. Getting getting the name back on the on the European map as far as football is concerned, but again it, it was another final and it, and it wasn't done the easy way, was it? Well, do you remember? I think what was it? Johan Cruyff, Jordi's dad, who said this is going to be the most boring nil nil that we will see in European competition, <laughs> and it, it became. Pardon. That was one of the very few things he got wrong. Oh, absolutely! But it was sensational. It was one of the few games in my time and probably Gerard's where you lose control of a football match even when you're trying to make the substitutions and um how that and they did have something to do with it was, we ripped them apart early on we raced into a 2-0 lead then they changed it they had three at the back they then went to four at the back brought on their striker um and changed the way they were playing and they crawled the way back into it, went to 2-1, went to 3-1. Oh my God, it was, you know, the second half was a roller coaster because you just couldn't, it, you didn't know which way it was going to, to end. You had sort of, um, yeah, you'd like to think you had control of it at one point, Robbie coming on and scoring. So it was incredible. They went down to 10 men. And then he went down to nine men. And I'm thinking, because it was golden goal. Yeah. If you remember, this was the very first golden goal. I think the, with the BBC doing the game. It was on BBC, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was it was just incredible. And as the, the, the fact that they go down to nine men, um, on the very left of our dugout here, right on the touchline, Gary Max going across to take the free kick. I'm I'm getting my penalty takers already sorted. And my list of what I think is the most confident uh, penalty takers. So I'd already, because you could only, if they're down to 10, we could only have 10. So you have to sort of take somebody out. So I've got a list of the players and I've taken them out. So I've got my list then of um, the players who are going to take first penalty kicks the um and Uber took out of the equation DD a man <laughs> and I sure I still have the piece of paper today of 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 that 
and it was just on a on a small piece of paper like that, a small pitch, and I had all the penalty takers on it. So I, I took Didi out of the equation, which he wasn't very happy about. But lo, <laughs> but lo and behold, when Gary takes and flights the ball in, and he's great trajectory on it, didn't he? And he just whips the ball in. It comes off Jelly's head, G-E-L-I, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. Comes off him, goes in the bottom corner. Well, we just shot out of our seats. We're all on the pitch. The lads are all celebrating with Gary Mack and everything. And I remember some of the players looking and going, where are you all going? What are you doing? Patrice Beggs, our coach, he's thinking, when the staff, we all ran on the pitch. Why are we running on the... He'd forgotten it was a golden goal. Two or three of the players, I think one of them was Patrick Berger, had forgotten that it was a golden goal. But it was... It was sensational, 5-4, what a game. But it was, as you said, Paul, and my mind's always like this. I'm going, this is for a group of Liverpool fans who had witnessed a European final since, it was 85, a European final. So the games you're talking about and people travelling again, Barcelona, lovely places, Porto, Rome. And I know it was always edgy in Rome, but everybody was loving the travels again. They were having the granddads and the dads telling us the stories. And now it was it was their time. So Dortmund was packed full of newbies, new people who were experiencing a European final. And you've seen it. We, we must have had, what, 90% of the crowd because you know, they uh, Alaves just had that one section behind the goal and and the rest of the stadium was just full of Liverpool fans so was to come out on top I know it was tight I know it was nervous but to win it was just sensational so you had the game you had the extra time uh, the golden goal the celebrations and I remember lining up on the edge of the box and singing you never walk alone and then we did a, a big huddle I getting everybody together to do the biggest huddle that you've ever seen and just singing you'll ever walk. It was just, it was fantastic bonding togetherness with the crowd, with the, it was, it was proper. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Lads are tapping you on the shoulder for the bevy after the FA Cup, so they, they must have been dying for one after that one. Oh, they were dying, they were desperate. And because it was so well, because it was so late, it was like two o'clock, three o'clock by the time we got because obviously we were kicking off Dortmund. It's an hour on from um sort of England. So it's nine o'clock over there. Mm. Or quarter nine, if it was a quarter eight kickoff, quarter nine kickoff. By the time we were getting finished, it was like sort of obviously what happened in Istanbul. Um so by the time we had all the celebrations on the pitch, back in the dressing room, by the time we got back to the hotel, it's two or three o'clock and we'd had all the food lined up for us, whatever happened, people needed to eat. So, of course, we're all in there. The families were all uh, back and at the hotel. But Gerard said, no drink. We'll have a glass of champagne to celebrate. But I think it must have been about 10 years on and Didi man said, of course we had a drink. <laughs> As you can imagine, Didi, yeah. Didi had have a, have a drink, he'd have a cigarette, 
and he'd be sitting there and celebrating. I don't know where he'd done it because we took over the, the whole of this uh, hotel and it was all on one level. So couldn't go too many places. But Didi said, of course, we had a drink. But we were up and back and preparing for um, Charlton Char mm -hmm. on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, just just a final couple of more questions then, Phil, where they would have taken 40 minutes of your time. Uh, just on, on Gerard himself, very very sad news when, you know, you know, he passed. I mean, when did you speak to him last? Was that a bit of a shock to you? Or? Yeah, I'd spoke to him a couple of weeks before he he'd passed and... It was it was devastating. Not expecting it. I didn't know he was mm. ill again. He hadn't told too many people that he wasn't feeling well and he was going to have an operation. Um, so the shock of it was just incredible. And I know if if he's had this heart problem and he he went for his checks on a regular basis, that's why he knew he had this weakness back again um, in the aorta. So I think it, it, it always be in there. But the shock on the morning that it, that it happened was just devastating. And it was funny because I'd, I'd had a voicemail early in the morning from, of all people, Gregory Vignal, who is working in Marseille, the football club. Mm -hmm. And we, Greg and myself had uh, seen each other in Madrid and swapped numbers and he, he texted me. He'd already done it, but I didn't know because I hadn't looked at my phone. But my son came through the door in the morning about half nine, quarter ten. And he said, have you heard the news, Dad? And I said, what's what new? And he became, and he went, oh, oh, oh. he didn't want to be the one to tell me. Yeah. And he said, oh, Dad, I don't know how to say this. He says, Gerard's passed away. Oh, it was it was it was just devastating. Absolutely not knowing that he'd been ill. I mean, I couldn't talk until late in the afternoon. People were were watching from radio, television, um, from the media, just watching. And I couldn't speak. Could mm. not speak. It was such a shock. We had such a great relationship. It was it was wonderful. It was a. It was a coming together of two people who were, who were different ways. I was mm -hmm. the the angry, the narc who was necessary at the time, which for him to develop needed me to take on the players to change a little bit. And I played the game. I played the game uh, gratefully to get yeah. a chance to come to get a chance to come back was a great experience to learn from him, to become best mates, um, to value him. To trust them, the trust in each other was just, and he was such a good man, as you've heard from since. But I knew at the time, Carragher's, Stephen Gerrard's, Emil Heskey's, and it was just, it was wonderful. And at this goddamn time, to sort of not be able to get to Paris, to be there, to be at his funeral, to be close to him for one last time was hard. So we, we arranged a small, gathering at Anfield of, of just 15 people um, on the cop. Similar in a smaller way of what happens at what we did at Hillsborough, but it was our best way. And it was at the time of his funeral in Paris, we did it 
on mm. um, on the cop. Bill Bygroves did the service, but I spoke. Rick Parry spoke. Gary McAllister spoke. Um, but it was our little way of doing it, into being as close as what we could. Emil was there. Danny Murphy was there. Um, backroom staff from when, when he was there. Terry Smith. Because it was difficult for David Moores and Peter Robinson because they were shielding. Yeah. Um, we would have loved to have been there. So we had a real good group of people. Stevie was there, as I said, Gary Mack. So it was it was it was our nice way that we could do what we can. Yeah. So, so sounds sounds fitting. Um just finally then, Phil, what, what do you think um what, what do you think Gerard's legacy is gonna be at, at this football club? Gerard always said to me, he said, Phil, if you get back into the game, this stuff that we finished at Liverpool, you have to think back on what you left, what your legacy is at a football club. What have you done? He said, what we did, we brought a brand new state-of-the-art training complex to this football club for Rafa Benitez to walk into. He said, we brought a height of discipline back into the football club which helps you progress the way that you should. And we brought trophies, which is the most important thing. He said that is our legacy uh, to Liverpool Football Club. And, it, and he was quite right. And I like to think he should be revered by the fans for, for what he did. As you said, Paul, there was a lack of, of trophies. And to win not just those three, to go on and win the Charity Shield, to go on and and win the Super Cup against Bayern Munich in Monaco, 3-0 up, and, and then beat Manchester United in 2003, who had a team of, of Keynes, Goals, Giggs, Beckham, uh, Ferdinand, Stam, Van Nistelrooy. It, it was an incredible side. And when you look back at that game, we didn't half play well. And as I said, improving in the side, that was a, that was a glorious day. So we give... We, as we want to put smiles back on the fans' faces, we were there to be counted again. And it was all thanks to Gerard Houllier. Because he, he, you have to understand, he changed the culture at that football club, as Wenger did with Arsenal. Houllier did to the good of the players and the football club, team, staff. He, he moved us on um, greatly to go on and do things positively. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.